Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Whether you're a pastor, an elder, a congregational leader, or a leader within a church, you're welcome at Ministry in Motion, and we're here to serve and resource you with this program. We have a wonderful program today with a fantastic guest. Our guest is Pastor Sean Boonstra. Welcome. Hey, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, not a fantastic guest, but a willing guest. Uh, you're too modest. <laughs> now, w one thing we, we should emphasize, you're a pastor. Yes, absolutely. And a pastor with a specialty in winning people to Christ and evangelism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, I think that's really what makes my blood pump in the morning. When I, I mean, when I bounce out of bed in the morning, I'm thinking, I can't believe I get to think about and work towards people coming to Christ all day long. So, um, I, and really that ought to be behind every facet of ministry all the time anyway. The, the idea that God has put the church here to lead people to Christ and, and have a home for them while we wait for Christ to come. But yeah, I mean, evangelism is absolutely what makes the blood course through my veins. It's, it's wonderful to see your vibrancy with this. Now, Sean, how, how long have you been a Christian? How long have you been leading people to Christ? Oh, my goodness. I, uh, I should have been a Christian longer is the answer because I, I had a God-fearing home, a Christian home that I was born into. The first book I ever read was the Bible. Um, I was taught to read, reading the Bible. I still have my first Bible. I should have been a Christian earlier, but... I gave to my heart to the Lord, oh, I, I'm going to say just a little more than 20 years ago. And uh, actually, if you want to ask, you know, how long have you been a Christian and how long have you been an evangelist, they kind of coincide. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I gave my first Bible study to somebody three weeks after my baptism. And it was the world's worst Bible study. Let me tell you, I, I made it up. I didn't realize people had created sets of Bible studies that you could use to lead people. I made it up myself, and half of it wasn't even true. But I, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I was doing the best I knew how. And three months after my baptism, I held my first evangelistic uh, meetings. And they were small and humble. They were in a church basement. But after I saw people come to Christ, knowing that I really had little to do with it, um, I saw the power of the Word to captivate the heart and introduce people to Christ. I knew that when I made an appeal to people to accept Christ, I had nothing to do with the process. The Spirit of God was leading these people. I, I mean, I was addicted. How can you not get addicted to exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah. Now, Sean, I can see you're inspired, you're inspirational, you're excited about sharing Christ. But often when you're called to a place... The, the pastor, some of the, the, the key people in the local church might be excited about sharing, but maybe the whole church is not 100% on board. What we'd really like to explore with you is how do you motivate, inspire, enthuse a congregation to be outreach orientated, to, to think of how to lead people to Christ? Now, we're wanting to draw. So let me draw a scenario for you. Okay. You've just been invited to a church to, to do some outreach with that church. What, what do you do to begin with to, to ramp up motivation and inspiration? Well, I'm glad you've asked the question. When you said maybe the whole church isn't 100% on board, I thought, well, that's really generous. Um, I just had a meeting a few weeks ago where I went and sat down with a group of pastors. Do you want to hold evangelistic meetings? It's the first time in 20 years where everybody said yes. 
So it's very rare that you have 100% of the people on board. I mean, Jesus didn't have 100% of the people on board. If you look at the disciples, he even had one go completely astray. Yeah. Um, and he had a whole group that walked away from him in John chapter 6. You know, mm. so I always accept the fact up front, you're not going to have everybody. Okay. But you can have most people, and you do have to work for that a little bit. You have to help people understand that God has not called them to become Christian museum pieces, to sit in the pew and hold it down until the Lord comes, that there is a ministry of all believers, a priesthood of all believers, and that God has called every individual to be a minister and to be an ambassador for Christ. As, as Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 5, you know, we're new creatures. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been... I want to help church members recognize that sometimes the reason their spirituality is lagging is because they're not doing the one thing that God has asked the church to do as not just a means of reaching the world for Christ, but growing our own spirituality. So, yeah, you've got some work to do. And I know that when I approach a church, I actually have to run two different evangelistic campaigns at the same time. Two at once. Yeah, absolutely. Two at once. There's going to be one for the general public. That's the kind everybody thinks about, a preacher up front, a venue like a soccer stadium or something, and the public comes and makes decisions for Christ. That's one campaign. Okay. And that involves a lot of pre-work and planning and altar calls and decisions and follow-up on those decisions. We have a pretty good idea of what's in that public campaign. But on the other side of the equation, I run a simultaneous campaign to win the church members to the idea of leading people to Christ. Okay. And that campaign looks almost the same. I use the same principles. But Re not the same venue. Not the same venue. I okay. go into the churches right? and we preach on a number of topics in the churches. I use the, uh, the church service as my evangelistic meeting for the church members and I hold out the promise of what could be if we just did what Jesus was asking us okay. to do. Casting a vision. Absolutely. Yeah. Fortunately, after 20 years, I've got lots of examples. I can show people what happens if we take that scary step of faith into the unknown and do the impossible, which evangelism looks like the impossible. It always, always looks like the odds are against you. I have enough years behind me now. Oh, I can't believe I'm speaking that way already. <laughs> I have enough years behind me now that I can point people back and say, look, it always, always works. God doesn't, and I call for decision. I preach that. I preach, this is what God is asking you to do. Mm -hmm. And in my heart, I know that I'm already, as I preach that, I'm addressing a hunger in that church's heart. They know. I mean, the Spirit's been telling them to do something. They just don't know what to do. Yeah. And then I call for a decision. I may even have a decision card. I have them come forward. Are you going to use your experience with Christ to win someone else? And I'll even have an altar call. I'll have a decision card. And then I follow that decision card up just as if somebody had made a decision for Christ. I call them that week. I'm so excited about the decision you've made to win somebody to Christ. Let me help you. Come to my workshop on Thursday. I'll give you everything. I run two campaigns side by side and they're very much alike. So not only are you taking seriously the need for people to come to Christ, but it sounds to me like you're taking very seriously that people are actually engaged in leading others to Christ. Yeah, there's no question in my mind that that is what we're supposed to be doing and that God has given us the task of evangelism, soul winning as Christians, as His way of preparing us to actually live in His kingdom. This is the one thing He's given us to do for our own good. I, I think about it this way. 
um, we read in Scripture that Lucifer is removed from heaven at one point. And everything we can read in Scripture tells us he coveted the throne of God. He couldn't for the life of him see, why am I not involved in heaven's councils and involved in all the decisions? And, you know, I'm bigger than, than the role I've been given. Lucifer was not allowed into all of God's decisions. He wasn't a member of the Godhead. Yeah. And when you and I get to the kingdom, we will not be a member of the Godhead either. And we are still going to have to take God's word on some things by faith. Mm -hmm. In our current relationship, we have broken that faith and trust relationship with God as sinners. And God, I believe, gives the church the role of evangelism to teach us to trust Him utterly. So He says, here's the world. Here's the message of the cross. Preach this to that world and watch what happens. Mm -hmm. And we cringe a little bit. Are you kidding? This message to that world? That's not going to go well. And God dares us to do it. And when you step out in faith, that's how we grow. One of my favorite books, Steps to Christ, a little book written um, in the 19th century, sums it up very well. And, and uh, I'd love to share that with you in just a moment. Thanks so much, Sean. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is how to motivate and enthuse a church or a group of people for evangelism, reaching out to the community and, and mission. We have a wonderful guest today, Sean Boonstra. Welcome back, Sean. Now, hey. just before we went to the, the break before, you were just about to share something from one of your favorite authors. I nearly shared it right into the break. I get all pumped up. But this is a little book called Steps to Christ. It was written a little more than 100 years ago. And it sums up what I was saying a moment ago about God gives uh, evangelism to the church as a means of spiritual growth. This is one of the nicest summaries. It's from page 80 of that book. If you will go to work as Christ designs that his disciples shall and win souls for him, you will feel the need of a deeper experience and a greater knowledge in divine things and will hunger and thirst after righteousness. You will plead with God. Your faith will be strengthened. Your soul will drink deeper drafts at the well of salvation. Encountering opposition and trials will drive you to the Bible and prayer. Basically, when you're leading people to Christ, you have no choice but to lean on God by faith because you discover quickly you don't have what it takes. That's an experience I want every church to have. Yeah. Take your stand for Christ. Watch what God does and your faith grows and it trains us to live in God's kingdom eternally, I believe. That, that is a wonderful and inspirational quote. Oh yeah, it goes on for pages, but we don't have pages. Sure. Now, so far in terms of motivating, inspiring people to, to share, we've looked at the importance of, well, you, you run two programs. Right. One, one for... I'm public. winning two groups. Yes. The public and the saints. Okay. So you've, you've run two programs. What, what else do you do, Sean? Well, um, I, I, then you start to model evangelism. I use, I use the church service and prayer meeting and whatever, whatever other meetings I can use as my decision meetings. I'm preaching for a decision. Are you going to spend your life winning souls for Christ? And I call for decision. Then I begin to model it. It's one thing to call for decision, but every evangelist can tell you, you've got to follow decisions up. In the public meeting, if somebody makes a decision for Christ, I call them. I'm in their home that week to affirm it and to pray with them. If somebody makes a decision, yes, I want to do something for Christ and win souls for Him, I follow it up. I get into their home. I pray with them. I hold a meeting that week. I call them right away. Hey, I'm so excited about the decision you made. We're having a meeting Tuesday night to organize. Yes. You, gotta, you, you can't just let them go out the door you know, um, and do nothing about that decision. You have to follow it up. Mm -hmm. Then I get them busy. 
Okay. Then I get them busy. So, so it's it, the modelling that you're doing. It's not only the, the the public work that you're modelling, but you're also modelling the the personal work. Absolutely. Of meeting with people and, and sharing. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Okay. Then I take them with me. You know, I've already got Bible studies in the community going, and I take, you know, I'm watching faces. When they're sitting in a class training, it's kind of like flight attendants. When they're doing their safety demonstration, they're watching people's faces, mm -hmm. and they're watching for people who show interest. Those are their people that they'll call on during an emergency. You know, okay, I remember this fellow and that lady, they were paying attention. They'll be helping me when the plane goes down. I'm watching faces when we're holding that organizational meeting, and the ones who are excited, I call on them, this man, this lady. Okay. Why don't you come with me and we'll go to a Bible study and I let them see me give one right. to somebody. Okay. Because it's not that scary to come along and watch. And when you watch, you realize this really isn't that hard. As a matter of fact, Sean doesn't know what he's doing and he's doing it anyway. Not really. I give some of the worst Bible studies on the planet. But, um, but the fact is you go out and do it and let God lead in that. And if you bring somebody along to watch it. And they're getting a taste of oh, what happens. Yeah. yeah. Then, I, then I do something a little uncouth, I suppose. After a couple of weeks, I'll call him up, say, say that, um, you know, Tom has been visiting with me. I'll call Tom up, say, you know, Tom, I can't make the Bible study this week. I need you to carry it for me. And I send him in on his own after he's had oh, a couple wow. of weeks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know it seems a little uncouth, but wise as serpents, harmless as doves, and I send him in. And uh, then he gets over that fear. He already knows the person. He's been a few times. I let him give that Bible study. Right. And how does that normally go? Always well. Almost always well. I mean, there's the odd time it doesn't go well. But, you know, yeah. we have lots of examples in the Bible of things that didn't go well. It usually goes remarkably well. And they come out excited saying, you know, I can do this. And once they get that courage, it's their Bible study. I hand it off to them and I encourage them to bring yet another person along and uh, and let them see how easy this okay, is. Okay, so you've got the multiple effect then. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sounds like you're doing some intentional training here, Sean. Oh, so yeah. that's part of the, the motivation. Yeah, no question about it. Um, I want to set people up for their highest chance of success. Uh, I, I want them to enjoy it. I want them to come away saying, wow, I needed that. That's good for me. And so I make it as likely as possible that things are going to go well. So right. okay. we have an organizational meeting. We have some training. And all kinds of Christians have a, a shelf full of books at home on soul winning and evangelism and church programs. They go to the workshop and everybody says, oh, the Lord is good. What a fantastic workshop. And they never do anything with it. They shelf the book and aren't we all that much wiser? Well, yes and no. Christianity is one of those things you really only know by doing. You can't just study it. You have to do it. It's kind of like bungee jumping. Yes. You, you can know that bungee jumping works scientifically, but you don't really know it works till you jump off the bridge. And you don't know soul winning works till you jump off the bridge. So I set up the highest chance possible for success. So let's say that we have a workshop and we're talking about, here's a way to go into the community. We could go door to door. We could knock on doors and do surveys. I tell them, dress comfortably for the workshop. We're going to have mm -hmm. some fun. And, and unbeknownst to them, sometimes I've lined up a bunch of drivers. And after an hour of uh, workshop, I say, all right, let's break up into groups of four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. I count them off. Here are your drivers. Out you go. You're actually going to do Ooh. what we just talked about. And a few panic. They say, oh, we'll stay at the church and pray, Pastor. But if you don't give them time to get scared, they'll do it. Okay. Then I'll go out with them. Right. And I'll knock on the first door. I'll, I'll, I'll put somebody experienced in every car, and I'll knock on the first door because usually they're saying, okay, Pastor, we'll come along and watch, but we're not going to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'll knock on the first door or two, um, and usually what happens is that uh, 
after a door or two when they see it, it's really not that frightening. And honestly, I don't like banging on doors, cold calling. I, I don't like it at all. But it works. Yeah. Um, we're just out there in the community looking for people who are interested, not trying to twist arms or anything like that. After a door or two, they say, let me try. An hour later, just an hour later, we all meet back at the church, and then I let them tell stories about what God did. Okay. Okay. So let them try it and then testify to how successful it was. And, and give them every chance of success. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let them feel the, the vibrancy that comes in their own experience. It's, it's all, it is addictive, isn't it? Oh, it, it, absolutely. I'm addicted. It's 20 years and I can't give it up. I mean, yeah. that's how I ended up getting my feet wet. It works, it works, it works. Um, if I'm training them to give Bible studies, while they're training, I put a card in the mail inviting people in the community to take Bible studies, and when the training's done, I have responses already. Here are your Bible studies. Let's go. I, I set it up for them. It's, you want to make it as easy as possible to succeed, and then let them tell their stories of success, because success breeds more success. Wonderful. Stay right with us, and stay right with us as well. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is how to inspire and motivate people for mission and, and reaching out to the community and evangelism. Our guest is Sean Boonstra. Sean, welcome again. Oh, it's good to be here. Now, how important are the young people and the youth in a church in motivating a church for outreach? Well, indispensable. I've often found that, um, that sometimes when... Uh, the middle-aged crowd and up won't do anything. They won't go into the community. They won't engage the community in activities. They won't give a Bible study. I take a look around the church, and the young people are all leaning forward in their seat, and they'll do it. Right. They'll do it. Yeah. Um, there is something. I mean, young people naturally have, I'm borrowing from an author here, a starry-eyed idealism. They are looking for their calling in life. And that's the ideal time for a pastor to put his arm around a young person and say, I trust you, and God's going to use you to do great things. If you can get them between the ages of 18 and 25 to lock into a lifestyle of evangelism, you've created a leader in the church. Young people have something. To give them an opportunity to empower them, to train them, and oh, let them loose. Oh, yeah. You know, when I, when I was 17 years old, I went down, my, my life before I was a Christian was politics. I just wanted to run for office, and the Lord spared me from that life. But I go down to the government building, and I watch these guys work. And uh, this was in Canada, and one time I'm standing there in my ripped jeans and ripped sweater. I'm 17 years old, and the premier of our province, which is, for Americans, a, a high-ranking official. If it, 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 you know, not quite the governor because we have... But it's, it's like that. Yeah. He sees me in the hall. He barely knows me at all. I mean, mm -hmm. if at all. And he comes up and puts his arm around me. The premier of the province has his arm around my shoulder. He says, why don't you come to my office? He walks me down the hall walks into the lobby. There's important businessmen waiting on him. They stand up to greet the premier. He says, gentlemen, I'll be with you in a moment. He walks me into his office, closes the door and says, I didn't want to talk to them anyway. I'll spend some time with you. Well, wouldn't you know it? I mean, at 17, he showed that. He asked me to, to help him on his next campaign. Mm -hmm. Well, I worked for free around the clock, day in and day out for that guy because he trusted me. Yeah. If we put our arm around young people, and say, I trust you. Don't patronize them. Don't entertain young people. They know when they're being entertained. Mm -hmm. Give them a real job with real responsibility. Send them out to do it and then mentor them as they go. They will blow your socks off every time with what they'll do. They'll do it um, because they don't know it can't be done. 
Yes, yeah. And giving them a taste of that opportunity, it really is a lifetime then, isn't it? Oh, where yeah. Where you're awakening something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember one little church where I said, let's go into the community. We need to do something to reach people for Christ in this town. Tiny little church, maybe 20 people. And um, 25. It was a really small church. And we'd spent the morning saying, we, and everybody was in agreement, yes, pastor, we need to do something. Mm -hmm. um, so, well, let's go out into the community. I mean, we, let's just go knock on doors and meet people around the community and invite them to take Bible study classes. Right. And nobody would go. Oh, we can't do it. We just can't do it. And that's what I noticed the kids, and these are even younger, 15 years old, are leaning forward, and I could tell they wanted to do it. I said, well, what about the kids? Can they go? And the parents, well, it's not safe. Well, it's a tiny little community. I mean, yeah. they haven't had a crime in 50 years in this town. I said, right. oh, it'll be safe. It'll be fine. I took them out, and they panicked a little bit when we got out into the streets and said, Pastor, we don't want to actually ring doorbells or knock on doors. I said, well, I don't want to either. I don't like that part of it. I'm a little scared. They said, really? I said, yeah. And being a real human being yeah. helps. Yeah. <laughs> I said, sure, but let's try this out. I said, you need to try it. They said, we can't do it. I said, let me show you. And I modeled it. They still didn't feel they could do it. So I said, well, here, here's a card that invites people to take Bible studies. Do you think you could ring the bell, stick it in their hands and say, I have something for you and run away? Do you think you could do that? And they said, yeah, absolutely, we could do that. So they did that, and these poor people that were getting these cards thought they were getting subpoenas. Oh, no. <laughs> and so they read them, and that little church had 24 Bible studies for those young people one week later. People sent those cards in. It absolutely... How many Bible studies? 24 Bible studies wow. in a church of 20 to 25. Those kids, just by sticking that card in people's hands, and I let them see, look, there are more people in this community ready to meet Christ than you think. There always are. Just stick it in their hand and run away if you can't do anything else, and something will happen. God honored those kids' faith. That's, that's a fantastic story. Oh, I Wonderful. love it. I yeah. love it. Now, let's just make sure we hit the high points of, of where we've been with this program. Okay. So, in terms of motivating, inspiring a church to reach out, from what I've heard you say, you run a dual campaign. And Absolutely. the purpose, one campaign for the public, and one, of course, is to motivate. And uh, you it's present. deliberate and organized and focused on getting church members active and making a decision to use their lives for Christ. Right. What's, what's the next thing you do? I model evangelism. I right. take people along. I show them how it's done. I let them watch me do it. And then I turn it over to them. And then I coach and cheer for them as they do it. Right. And the third thing you do? Well, we, um, I, I set up everything that I can for success. Um, if they're going to be trained to give Bible studies, I have Bible studies ready to give by the time they're done their training. If they're going to train to go knock on doors, we line it up for that afternoon. Let's go right now. I, but I line everything up so they have the highest chance of success possible. Right. And I can remember hearing something about intentional training as well. Intentionality. Don't just train and let people go home. Train and then require them to do what they've just learned, or at least try it once. And after they've tried it once, I gather everybody to share their stories. That's probably the biggest thing, you know, yeah. is let people having success talk about it. Every week in church, if you need to, take 10 minutes and let people say, you know, I tried to share Christ with my neighbor. Here's what happened. Yeah. Let them talk about their success. Right. Show, showcasing that success. Absolutely. Yeah. And young people. Always young people. They don't know it can't be done. They will go the extra mile to prove themselves responsible. They have a vision of what could be that hasn't been dampened by the responsibilities of life yet. 
They're your, you know, Ronald Reagan, the oldest man to ever run for president in his day, built his campaign on the enthusiasm of young people. Communists at the height of their power controlled one third of the earth's geography and they did it with the enthusiasm of young people. And, and those young, sorry, those young people then inspire all the generations, don't they? Oh yeah, mom and dad are going to back them, especially if young, you know, if your son or daughter suddenly preaching an evangelistic campaign, you're going to show up, you're going to help out, you're going to root for it, and you're going to make sure that it works because it's your kid doing it. Yeah, and I particularly like that quote that you shared with us from Steps to Christ because it seemed to indicate that when a person is active in sharing their faith, their own faith grows in a way wouldn't, it wouldn't normally grow without yep. sharing the faith. Absolutely. You way. must live by faith if you're leading people to Christ. You must. And it's the best chance we have at growing as Christians. More than just reading or studying, it's living it. Exactly. Well, Sean, I just want to thank you so much for coming on Ministry in Motion. Oh, you're, it's been a delight to be here. It's a real honor to have you and, and thank you. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well for joining us. If you'd like more information about this program, come and visit our website, ministryinmotion.tv. There you'll find all of the programs that we've ever presented, plus helpful other resources. You can also leave feedback there. You can email feedback to us. We're eager to hear from you. Feedback at ministryinmotion.tv. It's been a real pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope that you'll join us next time. But in the meantime, we want you to know that we're going to be praying for your ministry, and may God richly bless you. <music>